I'd like for this fifth conference for us to consider the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And in this conference and in her assumption, we'll consider how glorious was the triumph of Mary as she was taken into heaven to be seated upon her throne where she will remain forevermore. It would seem right to mourn the day on the, of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary since the world loses Mary and is deprived of her sweet presence. St. Bernard says we should rather weep than rejoice. However, Holy Mother the Church on the Feast of the Assumption says, let us all rejoice in the Lord, celebrating a festival in honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Let us rejoice, the church invites us to. If we love our mother, and I know all of you had mothers, so did I, we ought to reflect upon and relish more her glory than our privation. It's not certain that our mothers are in heaven, although we like to think so and may have good reason to do so, it is certain that the mother of Jesus is in heaven. What son does not rejoice on account of the separation from his mother if he knows that that mother is going to take possession of heaven? And the Blessed Mother on this day is crowned Queen of Heaven. We should rejoice that she's been honored as she deserves. Her assumption into heaven was a great triumph for Mary, for Our Lady. After Jesus Christ had completed by his death the work of the redemption, the angels ardently desired to possess him in their heavenly home. How they looked upon him, his soul, and his body. How beautiful and becoming it was to them. They were continually asking him in the words of David, Arise, O Lord, into thy resting place. Thou and the ark which thou hast sanctified. And of course we all know what they mean by the ark which thou hast sanctified. We look back with the Ark of the Covenant and the miracles that it wrought for the chosen people and the miracles that it wrought against the enemies of God. Even the man who, in his pride, didn't listen to the prophets and went to steady the Ark and was struck dead for touching it. So holy was the ark. The angels were anxiously awaiting the coming of the Blessed Mother, who was their queen, who had never graced heaven with her presence. They were anxious. Our Lord was, was at last pleased to satisfy the desire of the whole heavenly court by calling Mary to paradise. There's two thoughts, my dear friends. There is the thought that Mary died, and there is the thought that she did not die, but passed. Most theologians, I think, seem to think she died. Some seem to think that she passed and did not die. 
I like to think myself amongst the, not a theologian, but amongst the latter, that Our Lady did not die, but she passed. The angels remember the holy procession which David had when he brought the ark into Jerusalem, and all Jerusalem danced as the ark of the covenant was brought into Jerusalem. Now the ark of the New Testament was having its her triumphal procession into heaven to the new Jerusalem. They brought the Ark of the Covenant with joyful song and trumpet. Heaven will not be outdone. It, whether it's personal with you or, you or myself, the good that you do, heaven will not be outdone. The generosity that you show to others, those in need, those in charity, heaven will not be outdone. God has told us that he will reward us a hundredfold. Heaven will not be outdone by mere mortals. How glorious would the triumphal procession of the Blessed Virgin Mary be into the new Jerusalem. The prophet Elias, we read in the sacred scriptures that he was carried up by a fiery chariot. That chariot was none other than a group of angels who carried him to heaven or heavenward, I should say. It was a group of angels who bore him off this earth. But to conduct the, to heaven the mother of God, a fiery chariot would not be enough. The whole court of heaven, headed by its king, went forth to meet and accompany the Blessed Virgin Mary as she was taken to heaven. The whole court. St. Bernard says that Jesus, to honor the triumph of his sweet mother, went forth to, in his glory, to meet and accompany her. St. Anselm says that it was precisely for this purpose that the Redeemer was pleased to ascend into heaven before his mother. That is, he did so not only to prepare a throne for her in his kingdom, but he, that he might also accompany her into heaven with all the blessed spirits. Her entry into heaven was more glorious than Christ's entry into heaven. It's not my words. These are the words of the saints. How so? Because when he ascended to heaven, the angels came to greet him. When she ascends to heaven, God himself comes to greet her. God and the angels come to greet her. And so for that reason, he made her assumption even more glorious than his ascension. What a son. St. Peter Damien says that the, the assumption of Mary, and here's, here's what he said, the assumption of Mary into heaven was more glorious than the ascension of Jesus Christ. For to meet the Redeemer, angels only went forth. But when the Blessed Virgin was assumed to glory, she was met and accompanied by God himself, the God of glory, by, and by the whole blessed company of the saints and angels in heaven. To honor the Father, Christ descended from heaven and became man. To honor the Mother, he ascended into heaven. To assist his mother upon her arrival, into paradise. Just another Jewish girl. 
to console Mary and her leaving the apostles and the disciples, I changed the word die to sleep. Mary slept on her bed of separation. That's what some of the saints call her, her uh, passing, that she slept on a bed of separation. Our Lord came and said to Mary, Arise, make haste, my love, my dove, my beautiful one, and come, for winter is now past and gone. Christ invited his mother to leave this valley of tears where she suffered so much here on earth. She leaves in soul and body to enjoy recompense for her holy life. That's what we hope to someday receive. In proportion to the suffering she endured shall be her reward. In proportion to the suffering you endure, dear men, so shall be your reward. She enters heaven to take her seat with the divine son, her divine son, to receive the crown which the king of kings places upon her head. Mary left the earth which she so affectionately loved because earth was where God willed her to accomplish her role in the redemption of mankind. She had affection for the earth. She wasn't attached to the earth. We're not saying that. She had affection for the earth, which she was, a, uh, which she was able to dispense so many graces. Where she was able to dispense so many graces. She leaves the earth with compassion, leaving so many of her spiritual children in such misery, agony, and dangers to temptation. She's aware of that. She reluctantly leaves the earth, but she leaves because it's her divine son's will. Her son is calling her to heaven. And she knows that in heaven she can do more good for us there than she could here. Receiving the hand of her divine son elevates her affection and her compassion for mankind. For in receiving her divine son's hand, Mary becomes more aware of mankind's misery. Receiving his hand, she becomes more capable of helping mankind. When monarchs make their solemn entry into their kingdoms, they don't pass through the gates. The gates are removed from their gateposts. They are removed to make way for them on this occasion. It's part of the ceremony of a king or someone coming into his capital city to take possession of the government of that city. When our Lord entered paradise, the angels cried out the words of David, Lift up your gates. O ye princes, and be lifted up, O eternal gates, the King of glory shall enter. As Mary enters, enters into heaven, the angels cry out, Lift up your gates, O ye princes, and be lifted up, O eternal gates, and the Queen of glory shall enter in. As Mary enters heaven, the celestial spirits Seeing her so beautiful, seeing her so glorious, as the angels without, who is this that cometh up from the desert, 
flowing with delights, leaning upon her beloved. What desert? The earth. The earth is such a desert compared to the glories of heaven, the graces that are held therein. The most beautiful of creation, Mary, from the hands of God, of the divine, comes from the desert of the earth, a place of thorn, a place of tribulations. But she comes pure. She comes to heaven rich in virtue, supported by her beloved Son, who is graciously pleased to accompany her with so great honor. Who is she? She is the mother of our king. Who is she? She is our queen. Who is she? She is the blessed amongst women. She is the one full of grace. She is the saint of saints, the beloved of God. She is the immaculate one. She is the dove. She is the fairest of all creatures, including the angels. As the Hebrews sang to Judith after she cut off the head of Holofernes, the angels begin to sing a far more beautiful tone than that of the Jews. Judith was a prototype of Mary, a symbol of Mary, for she saved Israel. Mary not only saves Israel, but she saves all mankind. Thou art the glory of Jerusalem, thou art the joy of Israel, thou art the honor of our people. That's what they sang when Judith carried his head back to camp. The king of their enemy was defeated. Mary was not only the joy of Israel, she was the joy of paradise. She is the honor not only of our people, she is the honor of all, ever welcome and ever blessed. As Urias was to David, as Lancelot was to Arthur, as he swore obedience and service, so the angels beholding their queen swear their service and ever ready obedience to her. Must have been a glorious event when she went to heaven. All the saints who were in paradise then came to welcome her and salute her as their queen. The virgins who were in heaven greeted her and declared her most blessed. They, say, they said, we, blessed lady, are also queens in this kingdom. But thou art our queen, for thou wast the first to give us the great example of consecrating our virginity to God. We all bless and thank thee for it. After the virgins, the confessors came to meet Our Lady, to salute her as their mistress, who by her holy life taught them the most beautiful of virtues. After the confessors come the martyrs to salute their queen, for she, by her great constancy in sorrows, especially the death of her son, had taught them and also by her merits had obtained for them strength to lay down their lives for the faith. St. James was the only apostle martyred before Mary. 
He was in heaven. He came and he thanked her in name of all the apostles, that first Christian college, for all the comfort and help she had afforded them while she was on earth. She was their rock. She was their lighthouse. She was their beacon. She was their anchor. She was their compass, both in triumph and in tragedy. The prophets next came to salute the Blessed Mother and said, Ah, Lady, thou wast the one foreshadowed in our prophecies. The holy patriarchs then came and said, O Mary, it is thou who wast our hope. For thee it was that we sighed with such ardor and for so long a time, thousands of years, they waited for Our Lady. They waited for our Lord. Adam and Eve approached Our Lady. That was interesting, I'm sure. Adam and Eve, ashamed of their sin, approached Our Lady, but they thanked her with great affection, addressing her as beloved daughter. They said, Thou hast repaired the injury which we inflicted upon the human race. Thou hast obtained for the world that blessing which we lost by our crime. By thee we are saved, for it be ever blessed. And then the holy man Simeon, the holy prophet we spoke of in preceding conferences, he came to kiss the feet of Our Lady and with joy reminded her of the day when he received the infant from her hands. Zachary and Elizabeth follow Simeon and again thanked her for that loving visit which with so great humility and charity she had paid them in their dwelling and by which they had received such treasures of grace. Their son was next, St. John the Baptist. He came with still greater affection to thank Mary for having sanctified him by her voice in his mother's womb. An interesting couple, her parents. St. Joachim and St. Anne came to greet their daughter, who at the same time was their queen. And with what tenderness did they greet and bless her, expressing gratitude to God to bless them with such a child. Mary became their queen as she became the mother of their God. Words cannot describe the joy of St. Joseph. We're ascending in holiness, as you can see. St. Joseph, he knew her goodness firsthand and what, with what tenderness he must have addressed his mother, his wife. My lady and spouse, how can I ever thank our God as I ought for having made me thy spouse? Thou who art his true mother, through thee I merited to assist on earth the childhood of the eternal word, to carry him so often in my arms and to receive so many special graces. Ever blessed be those moments which I spent in life 
in serving you and serving Jesus. He goes on, St. Joseph does. Let us rejoice now that he no longer lies on straw in a manger as we saw him at his birth in Bethlehem. Let us rejoice he no longer lives poor and despised in a shop as he once lived with us in Nazareth. Let us rejoice that he is no longer nailed to an infamous gibbet as when he died in Jerusalem for the salvation of the world. But he is seated at the right hand of the Father as King and Lord of heaven and earth. We shall never more be separated from his feet. We shall there bless him and love him for all eternity. All the angels then came to salute Mary, and she, the Queen of Heaven and Earth, thanked them for their assistance here on earth that they had given her, not just the ones we read of in Scripture, but for all the souls that she touched and graces carried by the angels for them. She especially thanked St. Gabriel, who was the happy ambassador, the bearer of her glories. When he came to announce to her that she was to be chosen the mother of God. And then after St. Gabriel, Our Lady proceeds to the throne of her divine son. And all absorbed in the consciousness of her own nothingness. When I was a young priest in Oyster Bay one Sunday, I was preaching on the Blessed Virgin Mary. I went off script, like Donald Trump. I went off script and I made a mistake. I said that to the congregation in my sermon that the Blessed Virgin Mary thought she was the worst sinner of all. And then I thought to myself, oops, because that was a mistake. And I got back up after Mass and I said I made a mistake in the sermon today. Blessed Virgin realized her humility, but she did not see herself as the greatest of sinners. She knew her virtues. All nations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done great things to me. I made a mistake. That happens when you go off script. Okay. Uh, the Blessed Virgin considered her own nothingness. She thanked her divine son for all the graces that had been bestowed upon her by the pure goodness of God, especially for having her made her the mother, which no human could have merited the divine maternity, making her the mother of the eternal word. No one can comprehend, you can't, nor can I, and certainly in my poor speech can I explain to you what love there must have been between the blessed trinity and the mother of God. The Father crowned her by imparting his power to her. The Son crowned her by imparting his wisdom to her. And the Holy Ghost crowned her by imparting his love to her. And the three divine persons placed in her throne at the right of that of our Lord Jesus Christ declared her sovereign of all earth and all heaven. 
God then commanded the angels and all creatures to acknowledge Mary as their queen and as such to serve and obey her. That's why our prayers are so powerful. We ask something, either she will do it or she'll send her angels to do it for us if it is something good for our souls. St. Paul tells us, <clears throat> who can ever comprehend the glory which is honor joined with praise that God has prepared for his blessed mother who more than all men loved him on earth even from the very first moment of her creation she loved him more than all the men all the saints and angels united because of her love for him God exalted her above the angels in the heavenly kingdom. Mary looks around. She sees none above her but her divine Son and the Father and the Holy Ghost. She sees none above her. God has lifted her to such heights. All the orders of angels and saints are divided into three hierarchies. So does Mary of herself constitute a hierarchy apart the most sublime of all and next to that of God Saint Antoninus he certainly did write a lot about Mary he says Mary the mistress without comparison above the servants who is the sovereign lady of the angels is exalted incomparably above the angelic hierarchies Saint Idolphonsus says that Mary's good works incomparably surpassed in merit those of all the angels and therefore her reward must have surpassed theirs in the same proportion. And since it is certain that God rewards according to merit, remember what Saint Paul says, who will render to every man according to his works, it is also certain, says St. Thomas, that the Blessed Virgin who was equal to and even superior in merit to all men and angels was exalted above all the celestial orders. Just another Jewish girl. Elevated above all the orders of the angels. The glory of Mary is a complete glory if it differs from the glory of the saints in heaven. It is true that in heaven all the blessed enjoy perfect peace and full contentment. Yet it will always be true that not one of them enjoys as great a glory as he could have merited had he loved God and served God more faithfully with greater fidelity. The saints in heaven desire nothing more than what they possess. Yet in fact there is something that they could desire. It is also true that the sins which they have committed and the time which they have lost in heaven they do not bring suffering. Still it cannot be denied that a greater amount of good done in life, innocence preserved, and time well employed give the greatest happiness. 
Mary desires nothing in heaven. And the difference between Mary and the saints and angels is there's nothing in heaven that Mary could desire that she does not have. Who amongst the saints in heaven except Mary, says St. Augustine, is if asked whether he has committed sin, would say no. It is certain as the Council of Trent has defined that Mary never committed the slightest imperfection. I had a very dear friend. I don't see him. I haven't seen him in about 10 years. He was a great devotee of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Yet one day we were discussing Our Lady and we were discussing uh, the marriage feast of Cana. And he made a quote that caught my attention. He said that Mary was jealous of Christ. And I said, no, she was not. No, she was not. He said, yes, she was. And he had the book to prove it to it. Well, he showed up a, a book written in the 1960s or 70s of some woman theologian. And I said, that can't be. That can't be. So we went back to the rectory and we looked up in some books on the fathers that quote and that lady had it exactly wrong. She said the exact opposite of what that book said. Perhaps a mistake. But the Blessed Virgin Mary never committed the slightest imperfection. She not only let never lost divine grace, she never even obscured it. But she never kept it idle. She never performed an action which was not meritorious. She never pronounced a word. She never had a thought. She never drew a breath which was not directed to the glory of God. Mary never cooled in her ardor or stopped a single moment in her onward course towards God. We can't say that. She never lost anything by negligence but always corresponded to grace with her whole strength and loved God as much as she could love him. Mary says to her, and I love the saying, Mary says to her divine son, if I love thee not as much as thou didst deserve, at least I love thee as much as I could. That's all God asks of us, to love him as much as we can. In each of the saints there were different graces, so that each of them, by corresponding to that grace, excelled in some particular virtue. Some saints excelled in saving souls. Other saints, like Mary of Egypt, perhaps didn't save a single soul but her own. She excelled in leading a penitential life. Others ex excelled in enduring torments. St. Therese never shed a drop of blood for our Lord. Another in a life of prayer. Hers was a life of prayer. And for this reason, for, this is the reason for which the Holy Church, in celebrating their festivals, say of each of them, was not found one like him.
as star differ from star. They are the words of Scripture. So the saints differ one from another. You men, you have some of you will have one virtue, others will have another, and others another. And as their merits they differ, so do they differ in celestial glory. The apostles differ from martyrs, confessors from virgins, the innocent from penitents. The Blessed Virgin Mary, being full of graces, excelled each of the saints in every particular virtue. She was the apostle to the apostles. She was the queen to the martyrs, for she suffered more than all of them collectively. She was the standard bearer for the virgins. She was the model of married life. She united her, herself, her perfect innocence and perfect mortification. She united in her heart the most heroic of virtues that any saint ever practiced. All the graces, all the privileges and merits of the other saints were all united in Mary. She has all the prerogatives of all the saints united in her. She possessed them in such a degree that as the splendor of the sun exceeds that of the stars united, so does Mary ex Mary's glory exceed that of all the blessed united. Blessed Albert says, I think it's St. Albert now, Blessed Albert says that our queen contemplates the majesty of God in incomparably closer than any and all other creatures can. St. Bernard says that as the other planets are illumined by the sun, so do all the blessed receive light and an increase of happiness from the sight of Mary. When the glorious Virgin Mother of God ascended into heaven, she augmented the joy of all the inhabitants of heaven. St. Peter Damien says that the greatest glory of the blessed in heaven is, after seeing God, the presence of their most beautiful queen. After God, their greatest glory and greatest joy is Mary. As heaven rejoices at her presence, having ascended to heaven, her affection is always with us. In heaven she better knows our miseries. In heaven she is better able to help us. Her ascent into heaven didn't cause her to forget our miseries. St. Bonaventure says, If Mary's compassion for the miserable was great when she lived on earth, it is far greater now that she reigns in heaven. The Blessed Virgin is not like other rulers. They have to oppress their vassals. In a certain sense, any king does. He has to extract taxes to raise an army. Our government has to extract some taxes to build roads, to build hospitals, to take care of the people, to build armies. The Blessed Virgin is the only sovereign who enriches her servants with graces, merits, and rewards. 
Now that the Mother of Mercy is enjoying the heavenly banquet of our Lord, we who are on earth as dogs under the table ask her to send fragments from the royal banquet. This obviously has reference to Abraham uh, and Lazarus who begged the crumbs from the table. We are the dogs that help clean up the crumbs so that mom doesn't have to sweep. St. Peter Damien relates the following of his brother Marinus. St. Peter Damien and his brother Marinus. Marinus had the misfortune of sinning against virtue, probably against purity. He went before the altar of the Blessed Virgin Mary and having sinned, he consecrated himself to her service. As a sign of this consecration, he placed a cord around his waist and addressed the Blessed Virgin with these words. Dear lady, the mirror of purity, that's why I think it was probably against purity. I, a poor sinner, have offended God and thee. I know no other remedy but to enter thy holy service. I therefore offer myself to thee this day. Deign to take a poor rebel and do not reject me. So he consecrated himself to Our Lady. At the foot of the altar, he left a sum of money and promised that every year he would offer the equal amount as a mark of his service. After a long and God-fearing life, he came to die, and on the day he died, Our Lady visited him. He then asked for the blessing of Our Lady, which she gave to her dear son. Shortly after, Peter Damien came into the room, Saint Peter Damien entered into the room of his brother. His brother told him of this apparition. His brother closed his eyes and he died. What a great blessing to die in the presence of a saint like Saint Peter Damien, and even more so with Our Lady's blessings as he died. My dear man, this concludes the fifth conference. Please contemplate the celebration in heaven of Mary's ascent. I dare say you learned a lot more today about Our Lady than you ever thought. I have in these conferences. Contemplate the concurrence of all the virtues of all the saints and angels in Mary and more. Contemplate, please, the worst of sinners can with confidence call upon Mary and be heard. God love you and God bless you.